Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. One more time. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead, and the angel says to the women, Go quickly and tell. And so here's a man today who says Jesus is the most important thing in my life, but he never tells anybody about Jesus. And no offense, but who does he think he's kidding? If Jesus is important to you, you tell. So let me ask you a question today. When is the last time you told another human being about Jesus? Or maybe the question is, have you ever told another human being about Jesus? The purpose of this half hour is to answer the question, what do I say to people? How do I tell people about Jesus? Would you take out your Bible? We turn to the story of the day Jesus rose from the dead, Matthew chapter 28, and let's pray first. Father, we want to pray for everyone watching this program that you help us start to open our mouth and start to tell. The world is going to hell, and we need to be more vocal as Christians. So Lord, teach us now how to tell people about Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is rising from the dead here, and we're looking at verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, that'd be Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Here's the first lesson today. Despite the predictions, no one expected the resurrection of Christ. Jesus had predicted before he died, I'm going to rise from the dead, I'm going to rise from the dead, I'm going to rise from the dead. He did that three times, but when the women went to the tomb on Sunday morning, they did not go there to find the resurrected Christ. They went there to put perfume on a dead body so it wouldn't stink. Nobody was expecting the resurrection. When Jesus rose, the ladies run to the disciples to tell them he's risen, the disciples who had heard all three predictions, they didn't believe it. And they basically said, sure, ladies. You know. So um, my, my point is this. You can hear the word of God a lot and still not get it. I was raised Lutheran. The Lutheran church is big on the Bible's teaching that we're saved by grace, not by good works. But if you would have asked me at age 17, Tom, do you think you're going to heaven? I think I would have said, I hope I'm good enough. And it wasn't until college that I came to understand grace, that we're saved by Christ, not by our good works. And, and again, so if you hear me preaching the same thing over and over on this show, sometimes it's because you need to hear it a lot before you get it. I mean, I learned this when I was a young preacher. Um, I was teaching on the Trinity one night at my church, and this old man puts up his hand, what do you mean Jesus is God? <laughs> I mean, he didn't get that till he was 80, even though I think he'd been going to church for many years. So uh, the point is, 
you've got to hear the word of God a lot. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone in the tomb where Jesus was, and he sat on the tomb, the angel did. Here's the next lesson. Angels are real. They exist. You know, take this for what you think it's worth. But years ago, I was in San Diego waiting for the bus to go visit this married couple, and I was going to stay overnight with them in Los Angeles. But I have a couple hours, and it's downtown San Diego, so I like to sightsee. So late at night, I'm walking around downtown San Diego, and I realize this looks like a rough area of town. But I kept doing it. Well, later that night, I'm in Los Angeles, staying overnight in the uh, spare bedroom. I wake up in the middle of the night, and here is this tall form standing over my bed, as if to say, I was watching over you tonight. (laughs) I think that kind of thing happens more than we know. Angels exist. Look at verse 3. The angel's appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. Here's the next lesson. You can't guard against the Lord. (laughs) Do you remember why there were guards at the tomb? The uh, the Jews said to Pilate, put guards around the tomb because uh, the disciples might steal the body and make up a, a story that he rose from the dead. So they put guards at the tomb. Well, the point is, if Jesus wants to rise from the dead, he's going to rise from the dead and the guards aren't going to stop it. That's what was going on. So my point here is, you can try to guard against God. You can try to kick him out of your life and stop him in your life. You can't. He's there whether you want him to be there or not. I mean, I heard of this man who had this huge boulder on his front lawn. I mean, it was big above the ground, but was huge underground. There's no way he could get rid of this thing. So the man would mow around it. Uh, Sometimes he'd plant flowers in a circle around this big, but he could not get rid of that thing. And I think that is a picture of God. People try to push God out of their life. They try to ignore him. But whether they want to or not, he's there. He pops back in when you least expect him to. An evangelist told us this story. He, he, he preached at the church I was at, and he said, I'm, I'm flying on the plane, sitting next to an atheist. And I start sharing the gospel with the atheist. And the atheist listened, and we had a good conversation, but the atheist finally said, well, I'm glad that works for you. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in heaven or hell. I don't believe in Jesus. And the evangelist said to the atheist, so and the atheist said, well, you know, I'm glad it works for you and you get comfort, but I, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in heaven or hell. And the, and the uh, evangelist said, so? <laughs> and his point was, just because you don't think God is there doesn't make him go away. <laughs> God is there whether you want him or not. I love that line in the book of the Chronicles of Narnia. As, uh, C.S. Lewis's wonderful uh, children's series, Aslan the lion symbolizes Jesus. Aslan the lion is walking along the seashore. And one of the children looks at the lion and says to his friend, it's a wonderful lion, but it's not a tame lion. <laughs> In other words, you can't tame God. God does whatever he once. And, you know, like Luther said, I think we can pray for whatever we want, 
But at the end of the day, we got to let God be God. He will anyway, and we cannot tame God. He's, you can't guard against God. He's not a tame lion. The next verse, verse 5. But the angel said to the women, Fear not. Here's the next lesson. The message of the Christian faith, the message of the resurrection is fear not. If the doctor tells you, you've got four months to live, Christian, fear not. And, and how will you die? Will you die in faith or in fear? Listen to some famous last words of people. Voltaire, French philosopher and atheist, quote, I am abandoned by God and man, I shall go to hell. Charles IX, King of France, what blood, what murders, what evil counsels I have followed, I am lost, I see it well. Thomas Paine, American revolutionary and atheist, O Lord, help me, Christ, help me, O God, what have I done to suffer so? But there is no God, but if there should be, what will become of me hereafter? If ever the devil had an agent, I have been that one. You can die like that, or you can die in faith. Here's Martin Luther's last words. God is the Lord by whom we escape death. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. God of truth, you have redeemed me. William Shakespeare put this in his will. In the name of God, amen, I, William Shakespeare, in perfect health and memory, God be praised, do make and ordain this my last will and testament. First I commend my soul into the hands of God my creator, hoping and assuredly believing that through the only merits of Jesus Christ, my Savior, to be made partaker of life everlasting. And in the life of J.P. Morgan, millionaire, I commit my soul into the hands of my Savior in full confidence that having redeemed it and washed it in his most precious blood, he will present me faultless before the throne of my heavenly Father. So how will you die? Will you die in fear or will you die in faith? <clears throat> I went to a garage sale. And this lady at the garage sale, aren't you that guy I see on TV? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I just got back from Arizona. We buried my nephew. He never went to church. To my knowledge, he had no relationship with God. Any hope for him? And I said, well, you know, you never know. Maybe he turned to Christ right before he died. Then there'd be hope. But if he didn't turn to Christ, nope, no hope for him. The reason Jesus rose from the dead is so that you'd fear not, so that when you die, you get hope. I mean, one of my mom's favorite jokes when I was little, we'd be driving past a graveyard, and mom would say, I wonder how many people are dead in that graveyard. And then her punchline was, all of them, ba dum bump. Well, you know, think about that. All the people that are in the graveyard, they're not dead. They're in heaven or hell for eternity. And the reason Jesus came to earth was so you could fear not, so you could know him, know the forgiveness of sins, and go to heaven. Next lesson from John... Uh, from Matthew uh, 28, verse 5. The angel says to the women, I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. I want you to notice the words, as he said. Next lesson, Jesus keeps his promises. 
Three times he said, I'm going to rise from the dead, I'm going to rise from the dead, I'm going to rise from the dead, and he rose from the dead. I want to encourage you to do something. Maybe take the Gospel of John. Read it. Every time Jesus makes you a promise, underline it and believe him that he's going to keep that promise. Because you know what saving faith is? Saving faith is trusting God to keep his promises. So if he says he's going to forgive your sins, he'll forgive your sins. If it says he'll take care of you more than he takes care of the sparrows, he'll take care of you. And, and trust Jesus to keep his promise. Verse 6. And the angel said, Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Here's the next lesson. A Christian tells. Tell the disciples. When I was in junior high and high school, I talked to some of my friends about Jesus. When I got to college and clearly came to understand there's a heaven, there's a hell, and it's only by Christ we will be saved, that's when I really started talking to people about Jesus. Uh, once the urgency gets in you that this is all real, you got to tell people. You know, I, I hope you're not of the kind of family that I came from. Dad was Catholic. Mom was Lutheran. Every Sunday, Dad went to Catholic church. Every Sunday, Mom and the kids, we all went to Lutheran church. Then we all came home and never talked about it. <laughs> Something's wrong with that picture. Um, you know, I, I hope you are telling your children, your family, and your friends about Jesus. Look at verse 7. The angel says, and behold, Jesus is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So the women quickly departed from the tomb with fear and great joy. They ran to tell his disciples. Here's the next lesson. A Christian tells urgently. These women ran to tell the disciples. We don't just tell about Jesus. We tell urgently. I mean, this, this news that Jesus has risen from the dead, there's forgiveness of sins, it's the most important news on earth. You run to tell it. I mean, if you woke up tonight at 2 o'clock in the morning, you look across the street, your neighbor's house is on fire. I bet you'd go across, knock on the door, wake the person up. Well, you know your neighbor's house is on fire if he doesn't know Christ. I am still in touch now and then with my Jewish roommate from college. And I can remember this semester I, I roomed with him. And I, I, he was a Jewish guy from New York, not real open to the Christian religion or any religion for that matter. And during that semester I you know, tried to s bring Jesus up and it never seemed right. Finally at the end of the semester I said, Hal, can I give you this little pamphlet? It's about what Jesus did on the cross and, and how to become a Christian. And if you ever want to think about becoming, well, I gave him the pamphlet. He read it. He didn't like it. He said, I don't believe that stuff. But, you know, I'm still in contact with him on and off through the years. I've had deep, good talks with him about Jesus. The last time we talked on the phone, his wife is a Catholic. I've never heard him be quite so open to maybe he's going to start going to church. I don't know. We'll see. But... Our job is to tell. This is urgent. Here's a Scottish preacher walking up the hill to his church. It's cold outside. 
There's a factory door open. He thought he'd warm himself up. He slips inside the door, and when he walks inside the door, they're just opening the furnace to shovel more coal, and the furnace heat just comes out at this preacher, and he jumps back and he says, Hootman, what hell must be like? Well, that Sunday, there's a new man in his church. He comes up to the preacher after the service. I work at that factory. I was behind the door. I heard what you said, and it's haunted me this week. How can I not go to hell? <laughs> and the story is that the preacher preached the gospel to this man. The news that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead is the most urgent, important news on earth. We have to tell it. You know, I, I, I will tell you that um, there are people who are too pushy about their faith and they're obnoxious know-it-all Christians. You don't want to be in that camp, but most of us are in the other camp. We're so doggone quiet about it. We don't tell anybody about it. That's, that's evil. We need to, I want to encourage you to do this. When you get up tomorrow morning, pray something that I normally pray. God, may I share you with at least one person today. Now, often there are days it doesn't happen, but some days it does. But every morning pray, God, would you lead me to talk to one other person about you? Because a disciple, a follower of Christ can't help but be burdened to talk to people about Jesus. Well, I'm going to close with this. Years ago, I'm going to fly back from Europe to the United States. It's about an eight-hour flight. I prayed my prayer that I pray before I get on the plane. If it's your will, Lord, put somebody next to me that I, I can talk to about Jesus. I kid you not, there was one empty seat on the whole plane, the seat right next to me. And honestly, I kind of breathed easy because I get nervous sharing my faith too and I can sleep long, you know, I can lay out. They close the door of the plane. We're about to take off. I've never seen this. They stop. They said, uh, sorry, everybody, but a person is running late. They reopen the door of the plane, and this very tall, thin guy comes in and sits right down next to me. Now, is this from God or what? The plane takes off. He's a homosexual who has AIDS. He lives, he's from Texas. He lives with some man in Amsterdam. And we had a talk. And he, he asked me what I did for a living. I said, I'm a pastor. Oh, I'm a Christian, he says. And we talk, and, and uh, finally... I said to him, does it ever bother you that you say you're a Christian, but you're living in homosexual behavior, and the Bible says that's a sin? Well, you could tell he didn't like the question. He got very quiet. I said to him, I have struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life. I know that struggle. But I said, because the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals won't go to heaven. I say no to that behavior, and I just quietly urged him, urgently. I just urge you to, you know, turn away from that sexual behavior and, and ask God to forgive you. And, and you can have a, a great life being a single Christian. Maybe God will give you a female wife one day, but if he doesn't, you can still have a great life being a single Christian. Well, he says to me, my mom's a Catholic. And then I got this born-again aunt. They're always praying for my soul. And I just knew, I, I felt their prayers had put me next to him. Uh, he, you know, the plane landed. He thanked, you could tell he wasn't real happy with me. <laughs> but he thanked me. He said, I know that came from your heart. My point is this. The angel says women 
Go quickly and tell. Your job and my job, and please do this tonight or tomorrow morning, pray, Lord, today, this week, help me tell at least one other person about you. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, as long as you're talking about how important this is for us to tell people, what exactly do I tell mm -hmm. someone so that they will become a Christian? Good question, because, Jackie, I blew this early on. In my college days, I had buddies that were atheists, and we'd argue about Adam and Eve versus evolution, and how can God get all those animals into one ark? We were into these non-issues. And then somebody said to me, Tom, you know, the point is, you do 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, when I came to preach to you at Corinth, I gave you the first important things. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. When you share the gospel, don't get into Adam and Eve, Noah and the ark, Jonah and the whale. Go right for the guts. Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the dead. Would you like to receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life? And that's what Jesus did when he died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's the basics that we share, Jackie. You know, there's people, though, and it's happened to me, you share Christ with a loved one, but that person just doesn't want to hear it anymore. What do you do then? Do mm -hmm. you keep bringing it up, mm -hmm. or do you stop? You talked about yeah. your friend, Hal. Yeah, and I, and I have loved ones who I have prayed for probably more than any other humans on earth, and we have difficult talks about the Lord, and very often, often, Jackie, I just have to bite my tongue. They've heard the gospel. They've heard it from me. They've heard it from others, and they've kind of gone like this. So now I pray for them. When I feel nudged that I need to open my mouth with them, I do. But sometimes you feel nudged to just be quiet and let them say what they say. Yeah, I think, I think mainly you just pray for the. Before I call these people on the phone, I pray. <laughs> God, if I'm supposed to say something, you know. Okay, well, that's a good answer. Mm. When did God make the angels? Yeah, we talked about the angels on, on the resurrection morning. Uh, it, it, you know, because Satan was in the Garden of Eden, and the theory was that Satan is a fallen angel, it looks like probably sometime before God created the world, because I, I do think there's also a verse about the angels sang for joy at the creation. I, I, I'd have to look that one up. But somewhere before Satan became the Satan, the angels must have been created. So probably at the beginning, uh, before, either before the world was created or right near then, I would think that's when the angels came about. Okay. Well, you talked about Satan being in the garden. It, was Satan an angel then? A, well, the, because, again, I mean, yeah. are there good and bad angels? Well, yeah, there are. I mean, there are demons. So are they angels? Well, they're maybe the fallen angels. Because the Bible does talk about fallen angels in the book of Jude. So we know there are fallen angels. What are they? Maybe they're to be equated with the demons. And then there are good angels, of course, that Gabriel and Michael and, and that. So, but you know, Jackie, it's a little bit of a mystery how the devil got to be the devil. It doesn't clearly explain it in the Bible. But we know he's a creature. He's not eternal because only God is eternal. So God made everything, including angels and fallen angels and the devil. How did angels fall away, though, yeah, if yeah. they had the glory of mm -hmm. God to see? Mm -hmm. I, that's hard for me to yeah. even conceive right. that there's and a purpose. It, it says in Peter and Jude that they left their proper abode 
and that's when they, they left their proper place and at, what, a third of the angels fell with Satan, something like that. I'd have, to, I'd have to study this a little better, yeah. Okay, you know, I, I truly believe like my grandmother was a saint in my eyes and you know, you hear people say, now she's an angel. Mm -hmm. Do people really become angels? No. Let me explain this. You're spoiling Lucy. <laughs> my whole growing up that yeah. grandma's an angel. No, no, and 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 when my when my little niece died, you know, people, well-meaning Christians, can say dumb things, and somebody said to my sister after her baby died, "Well, that little baby's an angel." Well, no. Here's what Jesus said: The Sadducees are saying, "Jesus, here's a woman who had eight husbands. So whose wife shall she be and husband?" Because they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they're kind of taunting him. And Jesus said, you don't know the power of God. Um, when, they, when people die, they become, he says, like angels in the sense that we're single in heaven. You won't be married to Fred for eternity. Good news or bad news, I'm not <laughs> sure. But, <laughs> but when you're in heaven, we don't, you know, nobody dies in heaven, so you don't have to have kids. We don't need to repopulate heaven. So you'll be single in heaven. In that sense, we are like angels. It never says you become an angel. It never says angels have wings. I mean, that, they appear in bright clothing, but there's no verse that well, the seraphim had wings, but that, that's kind of a, probably a different order of creatures, so. Okay, well, you kind of just answered what was my next question is, do people become angels when they die? And obviously, they don't. No, then. they don't. Okay, so, you know, you've got patron saints and people that say, pray to your guardian angel yeah, and that. Yeah. Is yeah. that wrong? I think it is. I mean, sometimes some churches, ha uh, Catholic churches, pray to Michael the Archangel. It never tells us to pray to Marco, Michael the Archangel. And I, when, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, when you pray, you pray to God. You don't pray to saints and you don't pray to angels. You pray to God. So that's, that's I think, the way we should do it. Yeah. Okay. You talked about... Uh, I'm sorry. Can I interrupt you, Jackie? Sure. And Catholics will say, well, we don't pray to Mary. We pray through Mary. Like I would ask you to pray for my lumbago. Why can't I ask Mary to pray for my lumbago? Well, because there's no precedent for it. I can, you know, I, I don't doubt that maybe the angels and, and, and the saints in heaven are praying for us on earth, but it never says they can hear us, never says they can see us. So we would just pray to God. Okay, I have a couple more questions, and I think we're going to have to save them, but I do want to ask you this. You, Christians shouldn't fear death, but yet we do. Mm -hmm. What do you do I think it's about because that? even though we're saved, we still are human, which is why I need the church, I need the Bible, I need prayer to get my faith to, to handle all this. Well, that's a good answer, and I'll mm -hmm. keep on for another show a couple okay. of other questions. Thanks for being with us this week. We thank you for your prayers and your financial support of this ministry. We couldn't be doing this without you. And thanks for coming back week after week. God bless you and keep you until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294. Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.